Thanks for joining us for today's episode of Parent Talks Podcast. How are literacy and early literacy skills different? When should parents start teaching kids early literacy skills? Will singing to our young kids make a difference? Today, Jennifer Loomis and Paula Burton, children's librarians with the King County Library System, will help answer those and many other questions. First, we're talking with Gabby and Anna, both mothers of toddlers, about how they support early literacy in their daily activities. I was just thinking about how the way I read with Rex has evolved over the past like six to nine months. He's 20 months now and first started showing interest in books at around 10 months of age. At that time, he really was curious about knowing the names for things. So when we read books, we would point to things in the books and, and label them. For a while, he lost his interest in books, and now he's come back to them, and he could just eat up five books in a row, especially if it's bedtime and he doesn't want to go to bed. And now, when we read books, it starts to have more of a storyline. I'll follow the words of the book if it's a catchy or something that draws his attention, but otherwise, I'll just make my own narrative and ask him questions, like, oh, what do you think this guy's doing? At 20 months, he's able to respond if he's heard the book enough times, so he's becoming more interactive, which is really fun and makes reading more enjoyable for me as well. Any book that has flexibility in the way that you can read it, like it has a lot going on in the page and you can search for things or has a tactile element to it or flap, um, anything that can provide anticipation for him really draws him in and you can read the book a thousand times in a thousand different ways. So, Also, the books that incorporate interests or things that he's aware of in his life He's starting to, you know, when we see the fireplace in the book, he'll point to the fireplace at home. He'll see the cactus in the book, and he knows he'll go find the cactus at our house. So he's starting to connect that way. He hasn't noticed yet, shown any interest in the actual words on the pages, but I think that's, like, the next step for him. My son is 21 months. We've read to him books pretty much from the beginning, and for a while... He wouldn't look. He's not looking at the book. He's not listening. But eventually, probably around like the one year mark, he really started getting more interested in the bedtime books. And he would pay attention and he would look at them even after he'd finished his milk. But it was still just one book. And then if he was finished with his milk, he was up and out of there. But in the last month or two, he's really started to get into books more, and he wants to read them all the time. He's got certain books that he wants to read every what? night, every time we read a book. <laughs> Which one? baby book. The baby book. <laughs> it's a very small book called Baby's Day, and it's got English and Spanish in it. And I think part of what he likes about it is that it's got real pictures of real kids, and so it's not a drawings book but it has the English words and it's got the Spanish words. And we don't speak Spanish in our family, but we read him the Spanish words as well. And he, some of the words he just really likes. Now when we read the book, he wants to flip ahead to his favorite page when dinner is ready and you read it in Spanish and he says, Lista, Lista. He just waits for that point in the book and then he's pretty much done with the book, but we have to read it still. <laughs> then we can read another book. That's so funny. And does he use Lista outside of the context of the book? He doesn't know what it means, I right. don't think. So he's not like <laughs> off chanting it during the day? No, I think he thinks it means soup or something because that's what they're eating oh, in, the, <laughs> probably. in the picture. <laughs> We can read a lot of books 
it's fun. We can read longer books with more intricate pictures, and we can look for things. He especially likes books that he can spot things on each yep. page that are kind of an ongoing theme. Like we have one book that has wolves on a lot of the pages or horses. It's a Native American book, and they're always riding horses. And a lot of the time I do just read the words off the page and then ask him questions about it. Um, we like to play hide and or find and seek words and pictures in the books and mm -hmm. talk about if the kids look happy, if they're smiling or if they look sad, or how the kids are feeling. So he's starting to identify some emotion. I'm in identifying them for him. <laughs> <laughs> and he's listening. Yeah, but he is, he's starting to get more empathetic in regular life. If he sees me upset, then he will get upset. And so I think he's gonna start recognizing that on the pages and be able to, I think the next step will be able to tell what kids might be feeling or what might happen next. We did recently get a Llama Llama book called Llama Llama Loves to Read. We really started to look at the letters more. There is some random alphabet letters on the page, and I spelled his name out of the letters, and he just got a kick out of that. Reading it had big words like go and stop, and so we've started to look at how the letters make up different words. I guess sometimes when we're coloring together, we'll, we'll write his name and he can identify his name, not by sight, but by sound. But he, I think, is starting to put that together, that when I'm writing something out for him, it's usually his name. It's just starting with kind of matching concepts, which I think links to literacy, right? He'll put different color stickers or foods on four different squares of paper that are four different colors and he can he's just been able to match really consistently I notice he can find a matching pair of shoes from the shoe bin when he wants to go somewhere he notices symbols on sign like he notices a stop sign he's not reading the words yet but he's associating that symbol with a meaning stop signs are big in our family yeah <laughs> stop sign uh-huh <laughs> yeah apparently they're pretty appealing <laughs> Today we're talking to Paula Burton and Jennifer Loomis, children's librarians with the King County Library System. Thank you for joining us today. Most parents with young kids have heard about early literacy. So can you tell us the difference between, or is there a difference between literacy generally and early literacy? I think a lot of us hear the words literacy and think of reading and you know, like actually being an independent reader and being able to write. And that's usually a term that gets applied to adults. What we are talking about today is the sort of the, the foundation to that. Early literacy refers to all those things that you need to have in place before you're ever going to be actually reading and writing. You might be starting to do a little bit of it, but there's all kinds of building blocks from the time that you are an infant maybe in utero on up through preschool and kindergarten where you are laying down the foundations for being able to read and write. And that means little things like even knowing what a book is and knowing how to open a book. It means talking about things like shapes and because those are a great way to start describing letters. So before you even talk about letters, maybe you're talking about shapes and that is part of early literacy. So if kids aren't really learning to read until maybe kindergarten, what are the best ways for parents and any other caregivers to help them get ready for that? One of the things that's been shown to have a really big, big impact is having books in your home and modeling as the adult caregiver that you read too. 
there's very clear correlations. It's one of the strongest indicators for kids' success in reading as they get older is are there books in the household where you're growing up, in the, the spaces that you spend your day. Um, so that's a big one right there, um, which is, you know, maybe changed in recent years with the advent of all of our wonderful screens that we're so attached to. Um, so making sure that you show that, that reading is important by yourself doing it, as well as having books available all the time, makes a big impact. When you are reading to a child, like pointing to the words on the page, having your finger track what you're saying, pointing out signs that you see in the community, pointing out that there is print on all kinds of things, the packages of food that you're buying in the grocery store. Uh, another big piece is getting a sense for language, the rhythm of language. Every time that we sing or we say something in a sing-song voice, all these kinds of things are formulating a child's understanding of what language is and how to communicate. And those silly little songs that you hear children making up and singing, those are great. The silly songs that you remember being sung by your grandparent or caregiver when you were little, those are great too. Um, songs have a way of breaking words up and by the syllables, and so that shows that words are made of different components. When we look at a word in print, we see the components in the form of the letters, but when it comes to sounds, knowing that you can spread a word out like hot dog and saying it that way a little bit slower emphasizes the rhythm, and songs do an especially good job of that. And then adding things like making your own little shaker eggs or another thing that's a rhythm instrument, drums and things like that, having rhythm be a part of your physical experience, either just doing anything, um, getting that sense of rhythm in your body, or when you are singing that song to clap along to it and things like that. Those are all really key things towards building language skills. Those are part of how you learn to read. I know a lot of parents who think that they can't sing or carry a tune. Does that really matter? And should they be singing to their kids anyway? Absolutely, yes, yes. They should sing no matter what. Um, and I, I know that's easy to, for me to say. The singing is close to my heart just because I enjoy it. But there's a lot of research to show that the bond between you as the primary caregiver with a child and you singing to them is really meaningful. Even just when they're sitting on your lap, if you're holding them against your chest, they feel the vibrations. And these are things which they know more and more, and, and there's studies coming out still that will illuminate more about this, that you're setting off all those excellent brain chemicals as well as you know, building those neural pathways where you're making, connecting the dots about things. All of that is meaningful and helpful. When we sing in groups with people, and this is true for adults and everybody else, it also is doing great things in our brains. It's something that we all are kind of wired for. And I think society has made us feel self-conscious about singing, and that's really unfortunate. Kids do not care. They are not going to judge you. They love it when you sing with them. And so don't judge yourself. Do what the, the, ch the child is looking like they enjoy. Do you have more to add, Paula? Definitely. Um, as a person who is not a singer, um, I feel that it doesn't matter how you sing. You know those songs that you grew up with, and those come back to you, and you will carry the tune probably very well. Like Jennifer was saying, kids don't care. They sing however um, they want to sing, and that's the nice part about it, where they don't judge you. You learn to sing the songs and just have fun with it, and that's the most important part about it. it it's also using different parts of your brain so I find as a librarian, when I'm trying to learn a new rhyme, I have a hard time. If it's a new song, 
I learn it much faster. And you hear stories about people trying to connect with um, maybe a parent or a grandparent who is suffering from dementia, and you know they're starting to lose some of their their skills for communicating. But you can often get that that smile on their face again when you sing them a song. And the funny thing is, is that um, although the songs have their own tunes, not having grown up here and not listening to those songs when I was a child, sometimes I don't know the tune anymore, even in story time, where I'm in front of a big crowd and have no clue anymore because I sang another song, and just make up my own tune. That's the beauty of singing, is like you can make up your own tune in a song, and it will still carry that same message of something fun to do. Since babies can't read yet, how do parents teach an infant early literacy skills? It's one thing, I think, for the toddlers, but you know, a little baby that really hasn't held a book before. It is actually something that you can start with babies, teaching them early literacy skills, where you can snuggle up with a book, you're holding them in your lap, and you have a book with you so that they already see that this is a book, this is how you open up the pages. And fortunately, there are baby-friendly books. Those board books with the thicker carton kind of uh, pages are very baby-friendly. It is hard for those who are teething and want to put things in their mouth, but you also have actually plastic books that can be joined in the bathtub that are definitely could be chewed on if wanted to. There is cloth books. There's definitely different kind of textures that can be used with babies and are not destroyed easily. One of the early literacy elements is talking to teach early literacy skills. You can talk to your baby all day long and they will pick up on that and that is a great way to help them develop language and other early learning skills. Encouraging your baby's coos, growls, and gurgles. Those sounds are very helpful in teaching them how to make sounds. And those sounds will turn into words, and those words will turn into sentences, and that will turn into talking, which means that the talking part is already there. Although they're not making words, they are making sounds, and that's very important. Also, when you do that talking with your baby, when you leave a pause, you're kind of cueing them to respond, and they start to learn that sort of back and forth of two people having a conversation, which is another building block of early literacy skills, too. And that's one of the things that you want to have with babies and also toddlers, preschoolers, patience. Sometimes you have to wait a little bit to get the conversation going, and discovering what they are saying Patience is a big one, and it starts already with babies. Yes, and they're going to want a lot of repetition, which is a very hard one, because you'll get tired of something before they do. But try and laugh about it. I don't know. Embrace it. Um, find some way to cope, because it is there's a reason why they, they want the repetition. That's the way we learn. I mean, we all know that from like practicing something that you have to learn how to do. They need it all the time, because practically everything all day long is new to them. I know that reading and writing go together, so when should parents start teaching their kids about writing? Actually, you start teaching writing already when you're starting um, to teach your children about shapes. So at a very early age, 
Shapes are a very big part of writing because um, a circle is part of the letter P. And O. And O. There's many more that have, they apply to writing as we know it with letters. So just playing with balls and blocks and other three-dimensional toys help them discover what those shapes are. Looking at ABC books together, knowing that there is a certain order to the alphabets is very important too. Letting your child see that you are writing. It can be a grocery list or something else. I mean, I know, like Jennifer said, we're doing a lot on screens. You can show him that you're typing letters to make words. Um, it doesn't have to be with a pen and a piece of paper anymore, but that is wonderful too, to hold that pen and making letters on pieces of paper. Maybe they can't write their own name yet, but they recognize their first letter. That is so important and so much fun. And it makes them feel so proud that they're already starting to learn how to write. Yeah, you don't have to wait until they've got the manual dexterity to be completely writing. Obviously, there's a long building process. Anytime that they're coloring and using crayons or using finger paints and making shapes is a good step in the right direction. But you can start with taking the blocks on the floor and forming them in the shape of a letter. Sometimes in story times, we like to play games where we like use our body to try and mimic the shape of a letter, you know, your arms and your legs, and make it a whole body kind of experience too. Maybe you lay on the floor and you make the shape those kinds of things. So all of these things are always better when they're play. <laughs> yes, definitely play is a very important part, which is what we do in story time too, is we play with scarves and actually make letters. They're using a pincher grip, which is what you use actually to hold a pen or a pencil, but they're using it to hold a scarf. And then with that scarf, they're making the letter in the air. So you're not writing on paper, but you're writing in the air and making shapes that way and talking about shapes. How are we making the letter U? They're making a line going from top to bottom, a little half circle on the bottom, and then you go up again, that movement, and using a scarf make it fun to get that early writing skill in place. And I believe also the movement actually helps cement a learning in conjunction with sort of the academic part of it. So the movement helps really cement it into those brain pathways that we were talking about earlier. Yeah, I think that's part of why we have so many classic children's songs where there's a song, so there's something that you may be listening to, you may be singing along with, with words and rhythm, but there's typically some sort of hand gesture or physical movement. You know, I'm a little teapot, that physical movement. <laughs> Wheels on the bus, your hands going around. The, m the more different elements of your body and your brain that you're using, the more quickly you learn things, the more concrete it, it is for you to experience. So families that speak more than one language, how does that affect early literacy? Early literacy skills, it is very important that you show confidence in the language that you're teaching. And confidence, what helps is knowing more than one meaning for the same word. And that might be in the language that you grew up in instead of like your second language that you're exposed to. That is okay for kids because it's important for literacy skills or early literacy skills to know a large vocabulary. And if that is in a different language, that is okay too. And it's very good for the brain to know more than one language. Yeah, there's a lot of research showing the long-term life benefits to kids that grew up with two languages or, or even more. It's a huge step up 
obviously there's advantages once you're an adult and you're, you're trying to speak more than one language, but there's just other benefits to the brain in general, so it's all good. Young toddlers, young children, pretty active. So what do you do if your child won't sit still and listen to a book? Go with the flow. If they're not having fun, they're not gonna have positive associations with reading and you're gonna have a whole lot harder a time. They have really short attention spans and some kids aren't ready to sit when you might think they are. They're probably gonna need a little more time or they may just be the wiggly type and they are picking up far more than you realize just being nearby while you are reading aloud. So if they're not looking right at the book, that's totally okay. They may look like they're checked out, that they're engaged with some other toy or something, but they're still picking things up and that is just fine. And sometimes you may just need to keep trying different books until you find the thing that really captures their attention. A lift the flap book where there's something to discover underneath can be a great enticement if you're, if you're wanting to try a new thing and as well as subjects. Some kids are really gonna respond better if it's a nonfiction book, a book of facts and information. Often like fiction will just not do it for some kids even really little ones. And so if you can have that book on an animal or on a fire truck or whatever the topic is that excites them, then that's far better than you trying to make it happen. Sometimes you may have to just let go of your expectations and see if you can catch on to what they find fun. Because if it's fun and it's play, that equals learning for kids. That's the way they're wired. Definitely the fun factor is very important for kids. But the length of the book, has to do with it too. As we said before, with babies, you start with board books that don't have a lot of text in them. For toddlers, there's in the library a category where we have picture books that are for the very young, which means that there's not a lot of text in them. The pictures are bold and colorful, which attracts young readers, very young readers. But in picture books too, there's a wide variety of the amount of text that's in a book. And with little ones, you don't want to start with a lot of words on a page where the kids can't turn to the next page and want to see the next picture. So it's very important to sometimes open up a book and see if it is for your child. That's a lot of really good information. Thank you so much for joining us. Okay, yeah. thanks. We're glad to talk to you. And people can come and get more information at any public library. That's what children's librarians are all about. Today we've heard great advice and ideas from both parents and children's librarians. For additional resources and to subscribe to the Encompass Parent Talks podcast, please visit our website, www.encompassnw.org.